The House has decided it is time to spend tons of money in the name of COVID, but only about 9% of the money is actually going to any COVID relief. So this should be interesting. Let's talk about that, considering our grandkids will be paying for this for the next 30 years or so. Smart kids are being banned in Boston, and the book burning in Amazon has begun. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Well, we didn't get to this uh, yesterday, but we should probably do that. Uh, let's talk about the $1.9 trillion uh, stimulus package that the House of Representatives passed on Saturday morning of all times. They decided to do it very early on Saturday morning, which really bent Republicans out, uh, bent Republicans because this was something that they would have wanted to debate in front of, you know, watch listeners. Uh, the debate wouldn't have made any difference. It went completely down party lines. Uh, the vote was 219 to 212. Two Democrats actually voted against the bill because they thought they didn't like the fact that it was done in the middle of the night. And they thought this was an extreme amount of money to pass. Uh, those two Democrats were representatives uh, Jared Golden of Maine and Kurt Schrader of Oregon. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy was really bent out of shape on this bill. Now, mind you, because a lot of the media is saying that this bill was something that had to be done and the Republicans weren't cooperating or anything like this. The Republicans did come up with a $600 billion bill back in August that was never passed. Uh, 600 or 600 to 900 billion. I think they, they got it up to about $900 billion, but Pelosi in the house never wanted to pass it. And she didn't want to pass it because Trump would have gotten credit for it and probably won the presidency again. Uh, but Kevin McCarthy was really angry about it. He said, uh, when you add it, it all up, the price tag of the Democrats bill is jaw dropping. At $1.9 trillion, it is, a, it is the single most expensive bill in history. But don't call it a rescue or relief bill. Call it a Pelosi payoff. Because the amount of money that actually goes to funding the public health is less than 9%. This is not a serious attempt to fix the real problems of the American people. That's true. This bill was only 9% for COVID relief. That's for businesses and checks for people. He, conti I continue, he continues, the solution America needs is one that will get us back on path to normal. We need blue state governors to lift their non-science-based lockdowns. We need schools to reopen, students back in the classroom, and breadwinners back to work. And this couldn't be more to the truth here. We just need to open everything up. Because this is where it's getting absolutely crazy. There's absolutely no science that says we can't open up. As of right, as of this last week, we were down in COVID infections by 77%. So the COVID, uh, the infections are actually going down. Closures have not have not worked at all. Uh, New York, California now is leading the entire country 
in COVID deaths and infections. And that's, and California is completely shut down. You still can't go to a restaurant. Uh, number two is New York. Number three is New Jersey. All three of these states are completely shut down. So there is no scientific basis that say shutdowns actually work. The state that is, has been open for the last six months, like since August, Florida, Florida is number 27 in deaths and infections. They are doing very well. Everyone spiked. Everyone at one point spiked. And now it's back down. So to sit back and say that, you know, we need to keep everything closed. We can't reopen the economy because of COVID. It just isn't. There's not only is there no science that says this, but we actually have examples in within the country that say that there's no reason to keep the economy closed anymore. Definitely no reason to keep schools closed. So let's continue. We need, uh, this is from Kevin McCarthy again. I'm sorry I, I got, uh, I got uh, wordy. We needed to continue to increase our vaccination distribution so we can continue to control cases and ultimately destroy the virus. That is what the American people need, what they want, and what they deserve. But the Democrats' bill won't accomplish this, and instead will result in families, children, and small businesses continuing to get left behind, saddled with debt they cannot afford, or all for the sake of an agenda they never voted for. Now, Pelosi said this was a spectacular piece of legislation. So, you can tell if the Republicans hate it and the Democrats love it, it's probably not a great bill. And I'm sorry, it's really hard to stomach $1.9 trillion for just a COVID relief bill. I mean, that is 20% of what our total spending is for the entire year. I think our spending for the entire year is between 10 and $14 trillion. So it's just absolute, absolutely insane. So let's take a look what this bill does. Now, I do want to mind you, a lot of this bill has nothing to do with COVID relief. Like this part, raises the minimum wage to $15 an hour throughout the country. This is going to be a tough, uh, tough one for the Democrats to actually pass in the Senate. And it is a real calling that says that if not one Republican voted for it and not one and two Democrats actually voted against it, says it's going to be a real hard sell in the Senate. What's going to ha end up having to happen is that the Senate is going to have to have all 50 Democrats vote for this. And we already know of two Democrats that are actually looking at not voting for this. They are Joe Manchin and uh, Kirsten Sinema. One of Ari uh, Mansion of West Virginia and Cinema of Arizona are both saying that they may not vote for this thing, and it's because of the high cost and because a fifteen dollar minimum wage will actually hurt their economies. The fifteen dollar minimum wage is actually the reason why this may not get through the Senate. It's the big reason. The cost is secondary. Uh, this will un uh, extend unemployment benefits. Uh, from $300 to $400 a week, and it'll go all the way through August 29th. Uh, it will send $1,400 checks to those who are to those individuals that are earning $75,000 or under, 
or 150000 or under for a family. I This is also a tough one for me. They think this $1,400, Biden has already said this $1,400 should go all the way to June or July for a lot of people. I don't know where he's been living. He apparently doesn't pay his mortgages because $1,400, not really a thing. The other thing that gets me about this is if you're earning $75,000 as an individual or $150,000 as a couple, you do not need a stimulus. You do not need any money from the government. So I think they could have actually lowered this a little bit if they just said, okay, you got to earn $25,000 or under. Now, I'm going to be happy when I get my check. I will. But I also realize that it's not really something I need. And I sure as heck don't want my taxes going up because we got to pay off this debt. The House plan would extend the 15 uh, extend the 15% increase in food, food stamp benefits through September instead of having it expire at the end of June. Again, this is just something that isn't necessary. If you've ever been on food stamps or know someone who is on food stamps, they get quite a bit in food stamps. I know I don't spend as much on food as you get from these food stamps. So if you have three kids, you're a single mother, and you get food stamps, you're actually getting quite a bit. Uh, so I think this is just overdone a little bit. The legislation would send roughly $19.1 billion to state and local governments to help low-income households cover back rent, rent assistance, utility bills. I hate this. I absolutely hate this because now we're going to be depending on local and state governments to get us that money, $19 billion. It's just, it's it's a waste. When you If you're going to give the money, give it directly to the people. You know how, they know how to do that already. They've done it twice. If But giving it to state governments, it's just, it's going to, and half that money is going to end up overhead. People are not going to see it. And we know this because it's happened already. In an effort to combat poverty, it would expand the child tax credit to 3600 for each child under 6 and 3000 for each child under 18. Okay, I don't really have a problem with this because I just hate taxes. The problem is someone like me, I'm not going to see any of that. Uh, the bill would ne- provide nearly $130 billion uh, to K through 12 schools to help students return to the classroom. This would also provide 40 billion to colleges. And this is, gets worse. This is a big problem I have with this. This type of uh, this payment system would actually go for the next four years. So up till I believe it's 2024 or 2025. So they'd get the K through 12 schools will get 130 billion this year. I believe 150 billion in 2022, 170 billion in 2023. How is this a stimulus benefit? Someone explain that to me. Why are we worried about 2022, 2023, 2024? This is not a stimulus benefit. Same with the colleges. The other thing is, okay, you're going to spend just this year you're going to spend 170 billion on K through uh, K through college. Nothing's open. Why are you spending this money? And I know the college system, the, they're, they're saying that, well, we need 
to create new filtration systems and all this crap. BS. This is all for paying off the teachers' unions. That's all this is. To give them an additional $130 billion when the schools haven't been open in a year is just nuts. And then to sit there and say, it's part we're giving them money in 2024 for a stimulus? Come on, stop it. The bill would also provide $39 billion for child care providers. Well, the schools are closed. Of course, they ain't going to need child care providers. Uh, it just, just garbage. If they'd open the schools, probably wouldn't need so much in child care. So we're spending over $200 billion just to take care of the kids, and the kids aren't being taken care of. It would make federal uh, premium subsidies for the Affordable Care Act. Uh, basically, what it is doing is it's also helping out Obamacare. So it's funding Obamacare. Remember, Obamacare was a disaster. Still is around. What's left of it is still out there. And it they still can't. It's still unaffordable. So what it does is it would eliminate the maximum income cap for two years. So people are going to be able to go in and um, apply no matter what their income is. It, it, absolutely insane. I mean, it, it's... Ugh. Uh, the bill would provide $15 billion to the Emergency Injury Disaster Loan Program, which provides long-term, low-interest loans from Small Business Administration. Severely impacted small business with fewer than 10 employees will be given priority for some of the money. It also provides $25 billion for new grant program specifically for bars and restaurants. Eligible businesses may receive up to $10 million and can use the money for a variety of expenses, including payroll, mortgage and rent, utilities, and food and beverages. The Paycheck Protection Program, which is currently taking applications for second round loans, would get an additional $7 billion, and the bill would make more nonprofit organizations eligible. Here's the problem with this. It didn't work the first time, so a lot of companies actually never received any money. A lot of small businesses never received any money. And the application process, from what I'm understanding, my research shows, is that it is filled with bureaucracy, and a lot of the time these people end up waiting and waiting and waiting for their application to be accepted or denied. Um, $7 billion for... Uh, nonprofit organizations. I also don't agree with this. I think that's just a lot of money for an organization that basically takes in, um, basically takes in charity. So I'm not sure what I'm not sure what their qualifications are as nonprofit. I know for the company I worked for a nonprofit company, and it was they under this bill they technically could sit back and take loans. And, you know, low-income loans if they need it. Another $175 million would be for outreach and promotion. So states like California are already doing this. They have a bunch of commercials saying, go get your COVID shot. $175 million seems, I don't know, stupid. House legislation would provide $350 billion to state and local governments. 
This is something, okay, th- let me read the rest of this. The House, le- le- by the way, this can be found at CNN.com. If you go to dumbassestalkingpolitics.com, you can actually read the article. $350 billion would go to state and local governments as well as tribes and territories. States in the District of Columbia would receive $195.3 billion, while local, local governments could be sent $130.2 billion to be divided evenly between cities and counties. Tribes would get $20 billion and territories $4.5 billion. This is a bail, and this is something the Republicans really are bent out of shape about. This is a bailout for those Democratic cities and states that have completely screwed up their economies. California and New York specifically have destroyed their economies. How did they do that? They did it through um, the retirement programs for public unions. So right now, in California specifically, if you're a public worker, you belong to a union, and you're promised a really heavy retirement program. And the problem is the states, they don't have the money to pay off this retirement. So a lot of these, a lot of these states, New York is also, New York is in worse shape than California. A lot of these states have to tax the living crap out of its citizens so that they can pay off the uh, retirement benefits of retired city city and state employees. It's an absolute nightmare. A lot of uh, states like Florida, Texas, Arizona, they're saying this is crap because the federal government should not be bailing out New York and California because of their stupid union organizing. The bill, uh, the bill provides $14 billion to research, develop, distribute, and administer strength and strengthen confidence in vaccines. Uh, in other words, more commercials. It would put $46 billion towards testing, contact trace, tracing, and mitigation, including investing in laboratory capacity, community-based testing sites, and mobile testing units, particularly in the medically under, undeserved areas. Um, I, I don't know. I know that there is testing. For example, if you go to, you, you go to my neighborhood, there are actually two testing locations that are done by the state. You basically wait in line, get tests. It's been empty for the last two weeks. Why? Because we're down in COVID by 77%. So I'm not exactly sure why this is at, this is necessary at this point. Um, it, this bill also puts a crap load of money into infrastructure, libraries, colleges, roads, bridges, arts centers, and museums. There's one piece of the bill that is actually uh, investing in a tunnel from Nancy Pelosi's district into San Francisco. How is this COVID? How is any of that COVID? Well, that's the kicker. Don't forget, only 9% of this bill is going into COVID relief. It's just a really overdone, crappy bill that's going to add to our debt. I mean, our debt has gone up $10 trillion in the last year over this corona, over this uh, Chinese virus thing. Our kids are going to get stuck with this, and it's really, really, really going to suck. So I, not a good thing, not a good thing at all. Um, this, But here's the kicker. There's a very good chance that this bill is not going to go through. Uh, one of the things that happened is the Senate parliamentarian 
actually ruled that the minimum wage hike could not remain into the bill. And the reason is, is that the minimum wage has no direct effect on the value of the bill. For example, if I raise $15 an hour, how does it, how is that reflected in the $1.9 trillion? Well, it's not. It has nothing to do with the $1.9 trillion. This is something the Democrats tried to actually sneak in. Now, one of the things the Republicans are planning to do is, right now, if they just say, fine, let's just vote on the bill, it's 50-50. This is where the filibuster comes in, and the Republicans are already saying they're going to filibuster this thing. The filibuster will actually require 67 uh, votes to pass this bill, and there's no way it's getting through. What in reality is probably going to happen is they are going to change the bill. They're going to remove that $15 an hour. It'll go through the House again. The House will probably pass it. Joe Biden is already saying, okay, they're going to find another road to get this $15 an hour uh, minimum wage hike done. Why now when nothing's opened and companies are struggling, you would raise the minimum wage, but that's what they want to do. Uh, and then they'll send it back to the Senate. Now, one, one of the things I do find really disturbing about this whole thing is that Republicans are actually okay with most of this. A lot of Republicans have said there's a lot of fat in this bill, but a lot of Republicans have said they'd probably vote for it. And I, I, I think that is just an absolutely horrid mistake. If I were a Republican, I'd say there is no way in hell I'm voting for this bill. But they think that they probably, ha the Democrats think that if it doesn't get filibustered, they definitely have enough votes with the tiebreaker being Kamala Harris in the Senate. But they think if the bill comes back without the minimum wage, like this is the only thing about the bill that's bad, that they've got a very good chance that that bill will actually pass. Um, it's, I'm just so tired of spending. Do, do you know what would, would help the economy again? Just open the economy. Stop wasting money. It, there is no scientific reason why we're closed right now. There's no scientific reason why we're wearing masks. We don't even... There are no scientific studies that say masks even work. Now we're supposed to be wearing... I think you have to wear two to three masks on federal property now? Yeah, no, I just won't go to federal anywhere where federal because, you know, I'd like to do things like breathe. It's just... It's so stupid. But there's more stupidity coming up in a second. So remember, I think it was last week we talked about how math is white supremacist, and I said this is just idiotic, and I gave you about a thousand reasons why. Well, here, here's the kicker. We can't have any smart people anymore, which I guess if you know mathematics, you're pretty smart. Uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders will not be accepted into advanced classes in Boston for the next year because a majority of the students in those advanced classes are white and Asian. Uh, GBH News reported that the selective program called Advanced Work Classes will suspend enrollment partly because of the pandemic, but also because of, quote, concerns about equity, end quote. Now, essentially what these programs do is they... they go they delve into uh, a subject more deeply they assign children 
more work, more homework, so the children actually do more uh, work so they can gain an advantage. Uh, my fiance's daughter is in an AP class. She's in a special class. She had to take a test, which is what these kids have to do. Uh, once, if she gets a high enough grade, she's then selected into the program based off the number. So it's not, it's not like everybody can get into the program. And then she goes into history far more than people in the regular classes. Uh, the school district analyzed the demographics of the program and found that more than 70% of the students enrolled in the program were white and Asian, even though nearly 80% of all Boston school districts' uh, students were Hispanic and black. The superintendent, Brenda Casillas, said, quote, There has been a lot of inequities that have been brought to the light in the pandemic that we have had to address. Remember that. There's a lot of work we have to do in the district to be anti-racist, there's the word, anti-racist, and have policies where all the students have a fair shot at an equitable and excellent education. Well, here's the thing. Um, first off, uh, the pandemic had nothing to do with the education system. The education system went straight to hell in a handbasket when everyone decided to treat this pandemic as if it was something more than it is. So our students had not, our students are not being taught. That's the big problem now. The anti-racist line is the other thing. The anti-racism basically says we're all racist. And the only thing we can do is state that I'm against racism. That's, anti, that's the anti-racist philosophy brought up by uh, Ibram X. Kendi in his book. So this, this, this is just absolutely asinine. And policies where all students have a fair shot at an equitable and excellent education, two problems with that. Um, you are chosen into a program based off a merit. You, you're chosen based off a test. It has nothing to do with race. If you excel at a field like mathematics, science, uh, history, English and reading, you it shows on the test and you're actually it has nothing to do with race and you're actually brought in, but that's what the school systems are doing. And the other question is, wait, shouldn't everyone have an excellent education no matter where you are? The school district is basically putting themselves down, stating that the regular classes is not an excellent education. That seems to me that's a problem with the school district. That needs to be handed. One of the school uh, schools committee, uh, the school committee members said, this is just not acceptable. I've never heard of these statistics before, and I'm very, very disturbed by them, end quote. Well, here's the thing. Then teach everybody a little bit better in the Boston school district. Because I think that's what it comes down to. The Boston School District has probably bad teachers. The suspension of the program uh, comes as schools across the country have begun teaching radical critical race theory, creating more classes insisting white supremacy can be found everywhere and denouncing merit-based systems as racist. And that's what it comes down to. By the way, that was from the Daily Wire. That's what it comes down to. Everything is racist. Being smart is racist. 
knowing math is racist, knowing history is racist, having more capacity than others is racist, knowing English is racist. We must be a collective, and that's the goal of this whole thing, is to make everybody the same. Forget capacity, forget individuality. Why do they want to do that, comrade? Socialism, communism, that's what it runs on. It's a collective thing. It is has nothing to do with uh, actual individuality. Schools are trying to make, to destroy the individual. And one way you destroy the individual is take away merit. Where some can go beyond the capacity of others. You can't have that. We talked about anti-racism. We talked about the, uh, we talked about what makes cancel culture, what not cancel culture, excuse me, the, um, things that make up white supremacy, you know, like perfection, objectivity, things like that. We talked about that during the math, uh, podcast. This is the same thing. And this is what schools are doing right now. This is what they're teaching. You know what we're going to see? We are going to see a kickback on this. People are going to get tired of it. And what they're going to end up doing is they're going to end up teaching their kids at home. Don't think that that's not going to be something they do. You know, one of the things I find it amazing is leftists have, this is the third story, third story, excuse me. This is the third story and the last story of the day. One of the things I find it amazing is the leftists, have no problem calling anyone Nazis. President Trump's a Nazi. All Trump supporters are Nazis. Republicans in Congress are Nazis. Even if they don't support, they're Nazis. Everyone is a Nazi, Nazi, Nazi. Yet, no one points out, well, conservatives do, but nobody in the media or no one sees a parallel between the Democrats the left, I, I want to say the left, I want, I'd be careful because there are liberal Democrats that don't believe Joe Manchin is a liberal Democrat. Kirsten Cinema is a liberal Democrat. They're not true leftists, but they never see that what they actually do is Nazi-esque, is actually fascistic. So, you know, cancel culture. Uh, putting down dissent, censorship. These are all things that the Nazis did to control. Putting down religion, which, by the way, is Marxist. Eliminating the family. Having people tell on each other. Taking away our guns. Eliminating free speech. Controlling the press. All this stuff was done by the Nazis. But no one sees... But no one... Not a lot of people on the left see the parallel between what the Nazis actually did and the the Soviets actually did, what the Chinese actually did. They never see the parallels. Well, one of the things the Nazis used to do is burn books. Well, guess what? That's next on the list. It's happening as we speak. And it could be the end of any book that is a descent to the narrative of the leftists. There's a book called When Harry Became Sally, 
responding to the transgender movement. It was a popular book, and basically it's by a psychiatrist, and I don't have his name, for some reason I didn't put it in my notes, but it was by a psychiatrist that basically pointed out some of the issues that transgender folks have, including gender dysphoria. Gender dysphoria is actually defined in the DSM-4 and the DSM-5, which is what the diagnostic statistics or something like that. The DSM is the book that is used by all psychiatrists, and it's actually used by doctors also. The DSM-5 actually has edited it a little bit so that it's a little bit more politically correct, which I think is bad. And it also shows that um, it also shows that uh, how psychology is actually a soft science. It's not a real science. So Amazon just pulled the book. And I believe if you had the Kindle version or you had the Audible version, it just pulled it. Even if you bought the book, it just pulled the book. So that book is nowhere to be found. The book is science-based. The book is statistic-based. And it's not a book that actually puts down transgender folks. If anything, the book is sympathetic to transgender folks. But it does see transgenderism as kind of a, a, a mental disability, a, a psychological disability. It does see it as that. And it explains why. But it also explains that we must have, they have a freedom to do what they want, but we must have sympathy and understanding of transgender people. So it is, it's actually pushing it. So Amazon was asked, this is a best-selling book. You just banned it from, you can't buy the book on Amazon. Amazon sells 83% of the books in this country are sold through Amazon. So suddenly this author has just lost 83% of his market. That is horrid. So Amazon sat back and was asked about this because this is a big, this is a big deal, folks. This is a big deal when you start banning books. This is what they said. They said, we'll look at our policies. So this is their policy. Under a section labeled offensive content, Amazon states they don't sell certain content, including content that we determine is hate speech, promotes the abuse and or sexual exploitation of children, contains pornography, glorifies rape or pedophilia, advocates terrorism, or other material we deem inappropriate or offensive. Okay, a couple of problems with this. First off, hate speech is brand new. Hate speech was actually never part of the agreement or the policies of Amazon until about two to three weeks ago. So suddenly there's hate speech. Here's the problem I have. What is hate speech? Define to me what hate speech is. Now there's the, we could say the N-word, for example, is hate speech. I don't think it's hate speech. I think you should be able to say that word. I think you're a bad person if you say it. And I could think of dozens of words I will defend to the death to say, but would never say myself. I think they're terrible things. But here's the thing. It's the exchange of ideas. That's why you don't eliminate speech. And hate speech is way too broad. And who determines the hate speech? We don't have definitions for that. 
Hate speech is what Amazon determines hate speech is. Now, Amazon can do whatever they want. They're a free company, and people can get maybe tired of Amazon and just stop buying their crap. They could do that. I'm not calling for a boycott of Amazon by any stretch. I buy crap from Amazon all the time. They're just way too convenient, and it's a very good company when it comes to that. But when you sit back and say something like that is hate speech, that's scary. And by the way, can I name a couple of books that, that fall into all of this? Um, Huck Finn and uh, Tom Sawyer by Mark Twain. You would consider that hate speech. They don't treat blacks real well in those books. And actually, they're friends. It also There's also pedophilia a little bit. You can consider some of uh, in, uh, Huck Finn when Huck Finn, Huck Finn and the um, black man are actually on their little raft and they're both naked, sunning. You can consider that pedophilia. What about Madame Bouvier? Madame Bouvier is actually sexist, could be considered sexist, and could be considered classist. What about Catcher in the Rye? Catcher in the Rye could be seen as pedophilia, a young boy wandering the streets. Um, it could be seen as, uh, I don't know, it could be just seen as, what about A Clockwork Orange? They've got rape scenes in A Clockwork Orange. It's extremely violent, very offensive. What about John Steinbeck's novels? All John Steinbeck's novels are classist, and there is some racial. What about William Faulkner? He makes fun of uh, um, the mentally deficient in that movie. As a matter of fact, in one of his books, The Sound and the Fury, he castrates someone who is uh, mentally um, deficient simply because they don't want him mating again. Do you see what I'm saying? Every book that is worth anything has some sort of social problem. It points out a social problem. And that's what creates the conflict. If you don't want social, if you don't want social problems in books, that you deem as, and, and you deem that stuff as hate speech, Amazon would have to get rid of every book except Go Dog Go or Go Car Go, whatever three-year-old actually writes. Or you, can, you can't have conflict in books. 1984, um, Fahrenheit 451, Animal Farm. Oh, everything has a conflict that points to society. We already talked about Shakespeare. Shakespeare's being banned because it's considered classist, sexist, racist, ageist. Well, of course, Shakespeare is about the human condition. And the human condition has all of this. How do we ban this stuff? Why would we ban this stuff? And the fact that Amazon won't even answer the questions? Well, heck, look at look at Dante's Inferno, which is a book I'm translating right now. Uh, Dante's Inferno is everything sexist, racist, everything. We, if society decides that we need to eliminate everything that offends, we can no longer have art. Literature is art, but we're also looking at, what about Picasso? 
why isn't he deemed sexist, racist, classist? I mean, Picasso was a sexist, definitely a, uh, was a sexist. What about um, Manet? Manet, who did nothing but nude drawings. Are we going to get rid of him because he decided to draw only the women nude? And not to mention heavy, because that was considered sexy when Manet drew, uh, used to paint. It also gives an excuse. Get rid of the Bible. The Bible has nothing but sexist, racist. Everything in the Bible is sexist and racist. And But the point of the Bible is to point to the human condition and how humans should behave. The problem is... Sometimes, in order to point out how humans should behave, you show what a human, how a human shouldn't behave. So, this is a very, very scary time. Um, I buy all my books from Amazon. I'm really, I, I think we're going to hear in the coming weeks that Amazon has been banning books left and right and they just haven't been telling you. I can't wait to see what books are and aren't on Amazon as we start discovering them. Because by the way, and this is actually going to be for the canceled on Friday, Dr. Zeus is being banned. I did, I'm sure you've heard about this. Well, officially right now, I believe it's five or six books have been banned. They are now selling on Amazon for like $1,500. Amazon didn't ban them. It was actually the Dr. Zeus's corporation or Dr. Seuss's foundation that started banning these books and now they're selling like crazy. Dr. Seuss, for Christ's sake. These, if you've ever read a Dr. Seuss book, it race and sex is not something that you see and would think of in a Dr. Seuss book, which by the way, were written in like the 40s and 50s. But that's what's going on. Okay. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at RunninFool, R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. You can follow me on uh, Parlor at Dumbasses Talking Politics. You can follow me on um, on uh, oh, what's the other one? Rumble at Dumbasses Talking Politics. You can listen to or download these podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addicts, Stitcher, YouTube, and Rumble. Visit my website at www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. Hope you guys have a great day. You've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics. <laughs>